1: David Perdue goes all in with Donald Trump. He's tough. He's smart. He has my complete and total endorsement. Welcome to Politically Georgia, the podcast that promises to be your source for the most in-depth information and analysis on the race for governor in 2022. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, joined by my fellow AJC political insider, Patricia Murphy. Hey, Patricia, how are you?
2: Hey, Greg, another busy week in Georgia politics.
1: No slow week in Georgia politics or in Georgia in general. And I know we were out on the campaign trail together and coming up, we'll dig into that visit on the campaign trail. Also the huge war chest that Stacey Abrams is putting together and the pressure being put on Herschel Walker's opponents to get out of the race. But first we start with the Republicans who will not be backing down anytime soon. Brian Kemp, David Perdue, The former senator may very well be staking his entire campaign on this message from this commercial. Trump, Trump, Trump. Let's hear it.
0: The Democrats walked all over Brian Kemp. He was afraid of Stacey the Hoax Abrams. Brian Kemp let us down. We can't let it happen again. David
1: Perdue, an America first conservative outsider, is the only candidate for governor endorsed by President Donald Trump. That was his debut campaign ad. He put at least $150,000 behind it, and he's been backing that message up on the campaign trail this week. And what we're doing right now is giving a referendum choice to Republicans to see who they want to stand up against, I guess, assumedly, Stacey Abrams in uh, November. Patricia, we were both with former Senator Purdue on the campaign trail up in Alpharetta, the kickoff of his statewide tour. This is his message. It opened with Trump. It continues to dom- be dominated by Trump. His entire campaign hinges on Donald Trump. It's really maybe his only path to defeating Brian Kemp right now.
2: That's so true. And even when you and I were out in Alpharetta for his um, sort of inaugural press kickoff, the people surrounding him were really all of the familiar faces of that Trump inner circle, people like Senator Brandon Beach and Bruce Lavelle. I haven't seen Bruce Lavelle since the last Trump campaign that I covered, the last uh, Trump event that I covered. So it to me, it just sort of is infused top to bottom with Donald Trump. And really, it should be because that is the reason that David Perdue is in this race in the first place. It's also the reason that Governor Brian Kemp is in some trouble with GOP voters. It's really the Trump factor that's making the difference. And the only way for Purdue to advance is to maximize that.
1: And as we talked about the last podcast, there is a risk in that, right? Um, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll out last week showed that voters might be getting tired of Donald Trump. About half of Georgia voters, registered voters, said they were more likely to vote against a Donald Trump-endorsed candidate in November than someone he he endorsed. And a small number, a smallish number of Republicans, about 40-ish percent, said that they were more likely to vote for a Donald trump back candidate. So his, his job here is to boost that number up and really emphasize Trump, 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 Trump overall. And we've seen that with his opening, not just with this campaign ad, but all of his opening gambits, all of his opening maneuvering surrounding uh, the lies about election fraud.
2: Yeah, and it really is um, the classic Donald Trump can't win without him, maybe can't win with him. Georgia is that perfect state where you've got to have uh, the Trump voters on your side to really reliably get out of a Republican primary. And then also to go into a general election, Donald Trump lost the last general election here in Georgia. David Perdue lost the last election, here in Georgia, and so did Kelly Loeffler. And the three of them were welded together like a tricycle. I mean, you couldn't like pull one of them off of the other. It was such a package deal. And in this way, David Perdue is really just treading the same path. I think the hope is that um, it will be a different electorate in an off year, in a midterm election rather than a presidential election. The hope is that they can run against uh, the Biden platform, the Biden results. Um, But it is really all Trump or 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 die that's really that's really the the scenario here that we've got with david purdue um to me it's a risk but it may also it's also um just very clearly david purdue's only path to getting back in office
1: producer jay black i think we have a headline trump or die but really i mean patricia <laughs> hit on that issue <laughs> because it, it i mean look from the get-go what, what were what were some of david purdue's first announcements after getting in the race He said he would have called a special session to overturn the election results. He said he would have not certified the election. He joined a Fulton County lawsuit um, that was full of conspiracy theories about the vote in in Georgia's most populous county. And later on, he endorsed an election police unit. So everything he's doing now is tailored around that pro-Trump crowd. Even his proposals, even his legislative proposals. And he has has, has some of them, right? He wants to eliminate the state income tax without – Talking about how he he'd fill that thirteen or fourteen billion dollar budget hole, he wants to pass the city of Buckhead uh, referendum, and he wants to. He said he would have more urgently rolled back gun restrictions than uh, faster than Governor Kemp would have. So, you know, he's he's t- talking about issues as well, but even that's in the framework of the Donald Trump agenda. You know that the President Trump would have supported this as well.
2: Yeah, and underlying all of that is his argument that the Republican Party needs to unite and that with Brian Kemp in the race, um, that the... Party cannot unite behind Brian Kemp. There's probably some truth to that, to be honest with you, because um, Donald Trump has made it very clear that uh, Brian Kemp is on the odds with him and he's not getting back in. He has really crossed a red line with Donald Trump and he's not going to get back across that line. Um, so there will be no Trump endorsement for Brian Kemp. There's not going to be any um, making up. Uh, Donald Trump already said that Stacey Abrams would be a better governor, and I can't really imagine him. Changing that tune. So um, the party is divided. Um, you know, you could also make the argument that uh, putting a primary challenge up against a sitting governor only deepens those divisions. It doesn't heal those divisions. And that's really going to be the challenge for David Perdue going forward. Not only to say, yes, the party's divided. Yeah, that's true. We all see that. We all read your stories, Craig. (laughs) I was going to say, we all read the newspaper. We know what's going on with this party, but what's the way to unite it? This party does not have the option to leave voters at home on election day in November. That's how they lost the last time around. And uh, they've just got to get the enthusiasm up. But if you've got Donald Trump out there bashing the guy at the top of the ticket, that's going to be really, really hard. Um, However, if you've also got a guy at the top of the ticket who is running with the endorsement of Donald Trump, and we know there are Georgians, moderates and independents who will not vote for somebody supported by Donald Trump so explicitly, that's gonna be a challenge as well.
1: Yeah, and Patricia, you hit the nail on the head because you hit at the paradox of David Perdue's campaign message. I will unite the party by dividing it. I'm the only person who can unite Republicans, but first I've gotta have this bitter family feud. And that's what we're in the middle of right now in Georgia, if you're a Republican voter. You're in the middle of this bitter, bitter battle. And if you ask Governor Kemp, he will not say a single bad word about Donald Trump. You'll never hear him criticize the former president. You will to hear him say anything, uh, even around his, his closest allies, really, even privately. I'm, I haven't heard of any stories of him bashing the former president, but he's also not afraid to bash David Perdue. Let's listen.
0: Look, I'm not worried about what Perdue's talking about. I'm worried about what I'm doing. You know, I'm the governor. He's running against me. He's got to tell people what he's for. So far, he hadn't
1: done that. He's going to tell people what he's for, Patricia, right? I mean, in, in, in the Kemp campaign's framework, it's the governor who's out here doing all these conservative things. He's he's pledging to sign this permitless carry bill. He's out there advocating for transgender athlete bans and you know restricting critical race theory, even though it's not taught in Georgia classrooms right now, and all these other you know conservative policies we're seeing popping up around the around the nation, um, and it's David Perdue who's just kind of out there uh, hammering him from the outside but hasn't done these things that Brian Kemp is saying. So so the Kemp campaign is saying, hey, put your money where your mouth. What have you done?
2: Yeah, the other thing that David Perdue has not done recently is win a statewide election. And Brian Kemp has won a statewide election. He's the one who beat Stacey Abrams the last time around. Um, but you talk about sort of the pot shots that he's been taking at David Perdue. I think my favorite is when he says that David Perdue lost to a 30 something nobody. And he's talking, of course, about John Ossoff. Um, And recently, Kemp uh David Perdue, and John Ossoff were all on the same uh, radio show on Wednesday, although not at the same time. Um, But it just was a reminder. (laughs) I know. I put in a request, could they please be on at the same time next time? Um, But it was a reminder. It just brought back all of those divisions, those fights, that all of that energy and anxiety from 2020 really hasn't gone away. It really is so recent. And it feels like this 2022 governor's race is just, a rehash of all of those conversations, but with different players on the field, and they're even in different positions in some cases. So it's just as a continuation of really a big fight over Donald Trump. That's exactly the fight the Democrats would love to have. And so in that way, I think it's just a big boost to Stacey Abrams that this drama is happening on the Republican side It's also dragging Brian Kemp to the right. Uh, He probably would be introducing a lot of the issues and measures that he is in the General Assembly right now. I don't know that they would be coming in the same order. I'm not 100% sure constitutional carry would have been the first thing out of the box Um, because that is Mm -hmm. opposed by 70% of Georgians. That's not really a winner in November, but Kemp doesn't have a lot of choices right now. He's got to go hard right real quick because he's got a primary coming right out of this, um, this General Assembly session.
1: May, May 24th. And, lo- and look, it, you're right. Um, we, we're still all bound up in 2020 because 2020 hasn't really ended in Georgia. And, and 2022 can just be an extension uh, of all that. When we get back from break, we'll talk about the Democratic side of the equation. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're back. Thank you to all of our listeners. And reminder, please keep listening and subscribing to the AJC. If you haven't subscribed, go to subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast, and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com backslash podcast to join the community and support our journalism. Okay, I promised. While the Republicans fight it out, the money is rolling in for Stacey Abrams.
0: We are incredibly excited in 60 days, we have raised $9.25 million from more than 100,000 donors. <clears throat> we will parse the numbers out over the next few days, but we are excited about the mix of folks who are giving, especially
1: the Georgians who are invested in this campaign. That is from MSNBC and Patricia. That is a huge number, 100,000 plus donors, $9.25 million in just two months. And to put that in context for you, uh, Brian Kemp, raised, what was it, about seven and a half, seven-ish million dollars over six months. He's an incumbent sitting governor. Stacey Abrams gets in the race in December and already has raised, outraised him. Um, Another sign of the enormous Democratic fundraising power that both her and Raphael Warnock, who has a $23 million war chest right now, both of them have just become these fundraising powerhouses. And, you know, I get that... Political journalism tends to focus a lot on money and 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 things like that because it's one of the few metrics we have to measure a campaign by, uh, until voting, of course. But you know, money is going to be important in this race because not only is she going up against an incumbent governor or a former state uh, U.S. senator, if it's David Perdue, but also uh, this is the first year pending a judge's decision that Brian Kemp and others uh, can can raise unlimited money. You're using something called a leadership committee that gives him this huge financial advantage. A judge might well strike that down. But right now, Governor Kemp has this huge fundraising advantage and ability to raise unlimited contributions that he can pour into the race to either attack David Perdue or Stacey Abrams or just tout himself.
2: Yeah, it just kind of feels like an arms race. You know, Uh, it is such a high-profile race for governor. There aren't as many other high-profile races around the country. This has gotten off to such an early start. And these two are and have been made famous. Um, Stacey Abrams, I have said in the past, you know, since 2018, she lost her race, but she went on to raise $100 million with Fair Fight. And she really became kind of... political oprah in the universe she was so incredibly well-known and famous she was on the cover of Marie Claire she was in women's magazine she was um she won did she win an oscar did, what were all of the awards that she won she sort of she was uh,
1: she was oscar nominated
2: yes um and was nominated for the nobel peace prize she has just reached a level of celebrity that is really hard i think to understand from atlanta but to see The incredible amount of attention she gets outside of Atlanta and how positive that coverage has been because she's not been a candidate. She's really been fighting for voting rights, um, which is an issue that a lot of people get behind. She's also widely credited with winning Georgia for the Democrats and therefore flipping the Senate for the Democrats. So she's just this celebrated political figure kind of plus plus because there's a personality piece of it that goes with that as well. And that is translated to just a huge amount of money, a lot from Georgians, but a lot also from outside of the state. And um, the reason it's so important for Georgians, it's not just um, as Georgia Democrats rather, it's not just, wow, look at all the money she raised. The way she spends her money, I think is really important as well, rather than running a campaign that relies heavily on ads and goes up on the airwaves with ads about Stacey Abrams, she really has invested a lot of that money in the past in the ground game for Democrats in turnout in voter education, voter registration. And that is good for every Democrat on the ticket, not just for Stacey Abrams at the top of the ticket. So that huge number at the top to me is sort of a down payment on the Democrats below her on the ticket as well.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point, and and I think Georgians in general just have to use get used to the fact that our politicians are national figures now, Republican and Democrat. The last two election cycles, eighteen and twenty, kind of cemented that, right? Uh, Brian Kemp's name recognition goes far beyond Georgia, and Stacey Abrams is this nationally known Democratic you know icon to, to some, right? Um, and so, and you see that in with with his fundraising. Um, You know, a a majority of both Stacey Abrams and Senator Warnock's fundraising will will be coming from out of the state. Um, That used to be this big, huge attack line for Republicans. But these days, Republicans are, are, are raising a lot of money from out of the state, too, because Georgia has become such an important battleground. And and Patricia Stacey Abrams is ready to use this money. I mean, she's only had one in-person event. She's had a lot of TV appearances and done a lot of interviews and done a lot of remote events, but she hasn't really revved up her campaign. That's why that's why Democrats aren't that worried about the AJC numbers in the poll last week that showed her trailing Brian Kemp in a hypothetical head-to-head matchup. You know, she, she still hasn't kick-started her campaign. And even she mentioned that on that same MSNBC show. She said, We're just getting going here in Georgia.
2: Uh, that's a great point because we see Brian Kemp all the time, every day. Obviously, we see him down at the state capitol a whole lot, but he's around the state a lot. He is making announcements a lot. He is um, front and center in a lot of statewide initiatives, particularly um, on COVID and COVID measures. Uh, he, <laughs> Donald Trump has actually raised his name ID immensely. I think it's hard not to know exactly who Brian yeah. Kemp is. Um, but he is a constant presence here in the state. You cannot say the same thing about Stacey Abrams. In fact, she has been criticized for not being a constant present in the state presence in the state. So the fact that she is right up there with Kemp, a sitting governor, um, after really not spending a whole lot of time making herself seen in Georgia, um, I think speaks to a really high floor for her numbers, which is probably just about where she wants to be.
1: Now, speaking of money, Herschel Walker is blowing his opponents away in the Republican Senate primary with his fundraising. He raised about $5 bucks. He's far and away the highest of all the uh, the other three still somewhat less – well, very lesser known, but still credible candidates. And Patricia, that's only – that in the polls that, that AJC and Quinnipiac came out with last week uh, – Quinnipiac? Knipiac, Quinnipiac? whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm from George Quinnipiac. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Those fundraising numbers combined with the Quinnipiac poll, those only increase the pressure on Gary Black, on Kelvin King, on Latham Sadler to prove, hey, this is why I'm staying in the race. Here's why I have a credible chance or just get out.
2: Yeah. So, you know, candidates uh, who are not the front runners, if you start to lose momentum at a certain point, you sort of fall into this death spiral where you need money to get your name out. You need money to travel. You've got to have money to go up on the air and increase your name ID. But if your name ID is not high, you're not performing well in the polls, then your donors start to lose confidence. And so it really is they, they all three feet off of each other. But right now, it really feels like Herschel Walker is eating everybody's lunch. Uh, There are Republicans around the state who wouldn't mind having a strong plan B in case anything happens with Herschel Walker's candidacy. They would love to be able to say, oh, something happened with Herschel, not to worry, we have this other really great option. Um, But these three candidates are really going to have to to save their money. You've got to have a very low burn rate if you're not raising um, as much money as Herschel Walker. Um, But then they're going to have to also find some way to get in um, to the headlines, get their name out there, travel the state, uh, make the inroads with those campaigns. I followed um, uh, Latham Sadler up to Oconee County late on a weeknight, totally dark down at it wasn't down a dirt road, but it sure felt like it was a rather remote location. Um, a remote and he was, road. Yes, down a remote road. And he was there. It was a group of probably 30 people. Probably 10 of those were staffers from other Candidates um, who were there dropping off literature. but he's just sort of like doing the work, you know, just like the the uh, just the hard work of going everywhere all the time. Um, it's a hard pace to keep up, and if your donors don't have confidence that you're going to catch up, they start to look for other places to invest their money as well.
1: You're exactly right. The time is the time is running out for those candidates. Before we sign off the show, we have a mailbox question from one of our listeners, mm. Mary Flantiglio of Cordial says she listens to every episode and wants to ask a personal question of us. What do we do to unwind after a long day of covering <laughs> politics, Patricia? What do you do?
2: Is it Mary? Mary from Cordial? Mary Mary
1: Flantiglio.
2: Mary, I go to sleep at eight forty-five. <laughs> I fall asleep reading, <laughs> reading some children's book somewhere. I fall asleep in either my son's bed or my daughter's bed. I wake up around ten. Then I go to my own bed, and then I wake up again the next day. <laughs> that is so sad, but it's true. <laughs> Greg, had, Greg does a lot more interesting things to unwind.
1: What last night? I went to. I was at the bar. <laughs> I was at Manual's until <laughs> about eleven. So I went out. I came back home. My kids were asleep. My wife was about to go to sleep. I said goodnight to all of them, messed with my kids a little bit, woke them up. You <laughs> them woke them I'm that
2: Oh,
1: I mess with them. I like I come in and like put the stuffed animals. I'm like, oh, daddy's home. Uh, and then I go to the, I could catch up on streaming shows and all that. So that is how I unwound um, after <laughs> I did a long You just day watch of covering Emily Politics. in Paris.
2: Have you watched Emily in Paris yet? So good.
1: No, it's not. So I don't good. think it's for, for my demographic. <laughs> um, what what was? Oh, I'm watching. Um, what is it to- Pam and Tommy Lee on Hulu?
2: Dirty. It's like bird. the story
1: of the. Of well, it's just it's like a sitcom or so, it's, a, it's a miniseries I'm not watching the I tape. Don't think it's picture, a sure. I'm watching the story. It's like <laughs> Seth. Yeah, Seth Rogan's in this like mini about how how that tape became this like phenomenon, and I just watched like half of the first episode. It's really interesting uh, and entertaining. Because uh, I don't I don't, I don't, remember any of that stuff. But if you're looking for other things to watch or listen to this weekend, the AJC Podcast Network has you covered. If you missed it earlier this week, AJC's senior reporter, Tamar Hallerman, joined us to discuss Fulton County's legal case against Donald Trump. And check out AJC.com because she has a follow-up on that with an exclusive interview with Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Hawks Beat reporter Sarah Spencer's podcast, The Hawks Report, is now on twice a week. It's very popular in Europe, so be sure to catch Thursday's featured guest, Kevin Herder. They are not undefeated anymore since her podcast began, but they still have what, like a seven and one record, so they're doing just fine.
0: Well, to be fair, they are still undefeated when Trey Young plays since the podcast started, ah. and we don't know what the record's going to be since we've gone to twice a week. So, and can we're,
2: I we're, can I plug that podcast? I do not care about basketball at all. Um, But I actually listened to the podcast because I heard Sarah was so great. And Sarah is so great. So I recommend that podcast. I continue (laughs) to listen because she's awesome.
1: She is a superstar. And over on the Bowtie Chronicles, D. Orlando Ledbetter D-Led looks at what the Falcons are looking for doing the Senior Bowl, not the Super Bowl, but the Senior Bowl. Please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. We will see you next week on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.